Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me on this Tuesday, July 7th edition of Bang the Book Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. We got one guest here on today's show. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're going to talk about the Workday Charity Open at Mirfield Village, a very interesting handicap, not only for this week, but next week as well on the same course for the Memorial. We'll tell you what to watch for here. Then, of course, we'll reconvene next week to talk about the Memorial. NASCAR is at Kentucky Speedway. That's the Quaker State 400, so we'll discuss that. Also talk a little bit of horse racing stuff for you here with a couple of big events this week. And then maybe take a look at the NHL with the return to play date now set for August 1st. We'll be covering that over at bangthebook.com along with our continued coverage of golf, NASCAR, UFC 251 coming up this weekend. We'll have a preview for that here either today or tomorrow over at the website. Finally starting to get back into some things here, so we got a lot to talk about over at the website and right here on the shows as well. Finally, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio, presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook, BTB, and the number 200 is that promo code, 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook, 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Like I said, one guest on the show today, that is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, Adam. How you doing, kid? I'm doing well. I wish I was having the kind of morning that Patrick Mahomes is having, though. Yeah, he's having a good, he's having a morning. Yeah. No, getting around, no getting around that. And that may not be enough money for him, based on some of the numbers that are being thrown around out there. Uh, you know, we'll be able to hopefully talk a lot of football here in the coming weeks, hopefully everything kind of comes together with that. I guess let's go ahead and talk about this. Just kind of change it up a little bit here. Let's talk some NHL because you're obviously a hockey guy. We talk a lot of hockey here on the shows. We've got that start date set for August 1st. Toronto and Edmonton appear to be the cities. It seems like things are going better for the NHL right now than they are for Major League Baseball and the NBA. I think the NHL's done a terrific job. I think you know, obviously, horse racing, NASCAR, and golf, I think, have done a terrific job of getting this up and running and the way they've managed things. And uh, before they start, I think the NHL, I don't think it's even close, uh, has seemed to have done a lot more due diligence and seemed better prepared to give it a shot. I still think there are you know dawning hurdles. But uh, on the way in, I think now they've got 35 players out of 1400 uh you know since this thing started and they they seem to be managing it quite well i mean it still is going to remain an interesting thing when they go to the bubble how that all pans out it just seems like there's just no way of avoiding this thing that at some point someone gets it you know but the 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 armageddon scenario is that you know, a guy gets it the morning of game two, and then five guys get it the morning of game three. Uh, but it seems like they've done the yeoman's work here to, to be ready to pull this off. Well, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how things go as testing continues to get ramped up and all of that. And we've seen it with Major League Baseball here where there were some problems in the chain of, you know, dealing with FedEx on a holiday weekend, getting everything through the lab that they've picked. Seems like now Major League Baseball is going to try to work in a second lab to process these tests and you know sort of uh, spread out all the logistics and everything like that. And the nice thing for the NHL now is that you know, and really for the NBA too, 
they can kind of learn from what's going on with Major League Baseball, kind of make some adjustments, things of that sort. One thing that I do find very interesting about the NHL here so far, not to get into any sort of political discussion regarding it or anything like that, but we've already seen a handful of baseball players opt out. More are going to. Several players have pregnant wives and girlfriends and all that kind of thing. We've seen some players already opt out in the NBA. Not hearing a whole lot of chatter about the NHL players opting out to this point. Well, we'll see. And the... They basically have come to an agreement on the CBA and the protocols, and it's on the table right now. And the NHLPA, uh, the executive committee, whatever they call it, uh, they're submitting it to the full body, and then the players are going to vote. So it's going to be ratified. But once it's ratified, there's then a 72-hour window where players can opt out and it's in writing. Players can opt out, and they don't have to give a reason why. You know, they, just, they, they, they choose not to play with no repercussions. I mean, they've basically they've already been paid for the season. Uh, so, you know, it, it's all about. And then there's the hockey culture and that thing. But I, I don't, I don't see anybody you know, kind of holding against a, it against a guy saying you bailed on us. You know, in a pandemic. Uh, so it, it will be interesting. I think there'll be, certainly there'll be some, uh, the number, it doesn't seem like there's any like, you know, big voice out there that's saying I've got like a Mike Trout, but there are going to be some guys. I think it'll be maybe aging veterans. They could say, Oh, it's my last kick at winning the cup or they're on the back end of their career going, you know, I, I don't want to do this. I'm not going to risk, risk it. Yeah, when I'm basically at the tail end of my career. But the other thing is, you could have a wife with asthma or a baby on the way, just like Mike Trout. I, I, you know, I think sports mirrors society. There are going to be guys that are going to opt out. I just don't know how many or how how big the names would be. Well, we'll definitely talk more about it here as we get closer to the uh, the start date there on August first. But let's head to my home state here of Ohio, the 2020. Workday Charity Open, and this is very interesting. We've had this discussion a little bit with regards to NASCAR of back-to-back races on the same track, kind of looking for things that you can use, you know, the from the first race to sort of handicap the second race. Well, here we've got back-to-back golf tournaments at Mirfield Village, Jack Nicholas's home course in Dublin, a suburb of Columbus. The Workday Charity Open, the purse is about $3 million lighter for this event, than it is for the Memorial next week. But still, seven of the top 15 from the official World Golf Ranking are on hand, again, barring any positive tests or any withdrawals going into the uh, tournament here. But you know what's really interesting here about this one is that I want to see how this course plays this week because you have to think that next week they've got to do something to make things a little bit tougher for a more signature, you know, more high-profile event like the Memorial. No, that's a, a great point because I think you know, sit here and say, okay, let's watch this. I, I think the one thing, you, you could watch this tournament and see maybe somebody that finds a groove or the light bulb goes off on the weekend where their ball striking and their putting improves. But to just say, oh, well, they did this, and now at the Memorial, it, it's going to work too is not necessarily the case. And you could almost make the case too, go completely the other way, 
that if you're playing well on this thing and then they massively changed the setup on the same course, you know, those adjustments that guys make from this week to next could be confusing and guys coming off the shelf next week could actually have an advantage. I'm not saying that's the case. Um, but I, you can watch this weekend and apply it towards next weekend. But I, I would certainly envision uh, the rough would be higher. My, my best guess is they probably, this week, the scores would be significantly lower than the uh, Memorial will be. I, I'm, and I get, I'm guessing that the setup here, the, the rough might be low, and then they just start growing this thing during this tournament leading into next week. Well, it's certainly not as hot around here as it is where you are. I saw, you know, it's easy triple digits for you, but we've not gotten a whole a whole lot of rain here lately at all whatsoever. It's been very, very hot, kind of humid, not as humid as we've had for past summers. So they're going to have to put a ton of water on this course between you know this week and next week. So I think this week the rough will be cut a little bit shorter. The greens should be very, very fast, very dried out unless they're just completely saturating them before the morning rounds. Justin Thomas, your plus 950 favorite. John Rahm, about 12 to 1. Same thing for Patrick Cantlay. Same area for Brooks Kepka as well. Hideki Matsuyama is around 15 to 1, and I've seen a lot of people really like Hideki Matsuyama this week. Xander Schauffele, 18. Fowler and Rose, 20 or so. Reed and Hovland, 22. And you know this is a course, Brian, where you know this is a – Usually in pristine shape, it's a beautiful course, a lot of people love it, hazards around all the greens, unlike the last few tournaments we've seen, this isn't really a putting tournament, this is a tournament where you've got to be accurate with your approach shots, and I think that's why guys like Matsuyama, who generally isn't a very good putter, are getting some love, Ricky Fowler is getting a little bit of love out there too, and a guy that I really like this week, who does have problems with the putter, Victor Hovland. I think this is the week, this is the right kind of setup for a guy like him. Yeah, among the favorites, three of the six of them have won. Cantley, uh, Matsuyama, and, well, Rose uh, is is in that loop of 22-1, to one, have won the Memorial. Uh, so they've got good positive vibes coming to this course. Of the favorites, I, I'm, I'm still all about Brooks Kepka. I, I, you know, I'm always price hunting, and... Before the Travelers, I thought Kepka was going to walk in there and win for fun. And then his caddy tested positive. Now, the one thing about Kepka was throughout the whole shutdown, this guy talked about he put in all the work. And so I can't imagine he was that close to having his game ready to just explode that I can't imagine he's done anything in the two weeks he's been away other than work. So on that premise alone of the favorites, I, I'm still all about Brooks Kepka. Then, you know, the the, the Bryson DeChambeau thing is, is a discussion for another day. He's not playing. But clearly, he and he's taking it to the next level. But what you're seeing is that, you know, being 60 yards from the green in thick rough uh, can be more advantageous than being 160 yards away in the middle of the fairway. Uh, and if, if DeChambeau ever gets his wedge dialed in, uh, it, it may not be a fair fight. Uh, that's That's the way he's been playing, and now that he's won, look out. In fact, he's been bet down to the favorite for the Masters, which is, you know, you think about it, it's um, it's almost like Bubba Watson there. Bubba Watson, you, you don't trust Bubba Watson anywhere, but you you got to look at him at the Masters because this course is set up for a left-hander with length. But 
if you think of DeChambeau when we get to the Masters, he's going to hit driver over the trees on 13. He's he's going to have an 8-iron in. And other other guys are, you know, hitting 3-irons over Race Creek. So length matters. So to that end, and a guy that hasn't played, and, and we're getting opportunities like this, and, and again, many great unknowns, but a guy that has not played once since they've returned to play is J.B. Holmes. And he's 150 to 1. Yeah, you know, and he hits it long, and he shows up at, at big, tough courses. And it's a crazy price, and it's it's a bit of a guessing game. But but I do think that's a bit of an overlay. And then the one I, I just can't get away from, you know, if, if we're going to sit here and how much time we spent last week talking about a guy like Brian Stewart, you know, in Detroit, and he played well in, in that home course knowledge, I, you know, his game has not been that good, and health has always been his issue. But Jason Day is 70-1. to 1. He's a member here. He lives 19 minutes from this course. It hasn't really reaped any rewards to this point, but he moved there in 2017. Okay, so <laughs> believe me, he's got a lot more rounds in at Muirfield Village in the last three, four years to the point. If you're going to play... We know Webb Simpson's prowess in the Carolinas, and it worked again. And Stewart played really well in Detroit. And Jason Day can roll the rock. If, if, if he really knows this course, and I know it's been a while, but I just think 70-1 to 1 is a pretty big overlay uh, on Jason Day. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I, I like Jason Day here, too. For that reason, as you mentioned, you know Columbus, kind of his adopted home. His wife is from there. So, you know, he's a guy that's obviously very familiar with the area, as you mentioned. Another one, you know, not necessarily as high profile of a player, but a guy playing really well over the last couple of weeks, or I believe a fourth and a sixth for him is Ryan Armour, who actually sure. played at Ohio State. Now, he's in his mid-40s, so it's not like he was, you know, recently at Ohio State. But 45 birdies against 14 bogeys and a double his last two events. And the thing you look for at this course, as I mentioned, this is not really a course where you have to putt all that well to win. It helps if you do. But this is a strokes gained approach course because, like I just said, a lot of these greens have hazards. A lot of greenside bunkers, uh, several holes with greenside water, stuff like that. So that's why we're seeing prices come down on a guy like Matsuyama, who was a great ball striker. Why we're seeing a price go down on a guy like Russell Henley, who's been very good strokes gained approach of late, played well here last year. Max Homa is another one that doesn't putt overly well week in and week out, but a pretty good ball striker, good on approach. He's come down from triple digits to about 70 to one here. So you're kind of getting a profile of some of the players that people like this week. And a lot of them are guys that hit it well on approach. You'll get Benny on four straight top 15 finishes here. That guy can't putt to save his life most weeks, but he plays really well at this course and again, that was for the Memorial, which is probably going to play a little bit tougher here than this one. I'll throw out a couple of other names for you here. I think this is a week to take a look at Corey Connors. He's not a great putter, but good ball striker. This is a ball striking course. He's at 66 to 1. Not a bad play there. Henrik Norlander, he's 125 to 1. Very, very dialed in last week in terms of strokes gained on approach. Uh, he's top 80 in strokes gained off the tee. Top 80 in strokes gained on approach. He's not a bad look at a big number. And one other one here who played pretty well last week 
once again had some issues with the putter. Hudson Swafford's 200 to 1. Another approach guy who plays really well with the irons. And I guess why we see a price going down like Morikawa this week. He's down from 35 to 25 or so. That's what this course is. It's about hitting it to the green when you're supposed to. If you got a two putt, that's fine. But too many guys get involved with the hazards here and really hurt themselves. You want to find guys that aren't going to put it in the bunker or the water. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny, I, I was, as you said, Corey Connors, I was looking Corey Connors up, ball striking. Uh, that's He's absolutely uh, a guy I think you, you could take a long, hard look at because he's, he's just been hitting the hell out of it and, and, and hitting it straight. And I'm looking up a guy as we speak here, and we'll, we'll see, we shall see here. If memory serves, I believe didn't hasn't Rory Sabatini didn't he contend here one year? I think Rory Sabatini's ball striking is really good. I, I think it was yeah they were I just saw it a few weeks ago. it was with Tiger Tiger it was a Tiger winning at Memorial and Sabatini was right there uh, might have finished second that was maybe a few years ago but Sabatini's game is actually not in in that bad of shape and I I think he plays well here. Uh, he was well, 40. Sabatini's a guy too yeah he was. You know, he was in the, like, 60-to-1 range, stuff like that. Now, all of a sudden, kind of an afterthought at 100-to-1. Again, you talk about kind of price hunting and looking for, you know, as you like to, uh, as you don't like to say, but value. Sabatini's prices have gone up a little bit here because he hasn't played as well of late. But, uh, yeah, you know, that's a guy second all the way back in 2012 here at this It was event. 2012. I, I knew I had just watched this. It, it was during the shutdown, and they showed Tiger's win. That was the one when Tiger had the miracle chip in uh, on 16. But Sabatini was the one that was, uh, you know, uh, right there going toe-to-toe, and Tiger came from off the pace. And Sa- Sabatini, Tita Green, was the best player that day. Tiger had the miracle chip in. Anyway, that's a while back, but I think Sabatini's – Form is pretty good, and you know the range ball, the yellow ball drives me nuts. But uh, you know, I take a look at that. But again, I, to me, a lot of this when we talk about this every week is you just sit here and you look at the overlays, and you know, and the the, the problem is one guy wins a tournament. You know, to pick the winner is the hard thing. But if you sit there and you're telling me I got Jason Day 70, 70 to one, and Ricky Fowler's thirty to one, I'm playing Jason Day in that matchup. You know, I so I you, you look at this in 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 the prices that are offered. Now, it is one of the main major rubs in one of my few beefs about Las Vegas. And I I just for the life of me, I just can't understand why this ha- hasn't been done. And they don't offer top five, and it, it drives me absolutely insane. I mean, if you 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 can come out of the woodwork and you know get a run for your money with a guy that's two hundred and twenty five to one, and he finishes fourth. You're going, oh, that was exciting. I got to run for my money. But if a guy's 200 to 1 and finishes fourth, he should be offered at 40 or 50 to 1 to finish in the top five. And my point is, it's like horse racing. More people would win a little more often and churn it back in. I, I think it's it's in the book's best interest to offer that. No, I totally agree. I Get on circuit or get on some of your sports book directors. And, uh, Buddy, I've been know. doing it for seven, 10 years. <laughs> I've been doing it no. for 10, 10 years. I mean, what, I, you know, why, I, I, I don't why don't know. they do it's it? Gaming. Is it the... It's gaming. They, they have to, they have to, I guess, they have to, you know, submit 
to gaming that they want to do it. And then I but but I get I don't understand with the walls that have come down in terms of you know, like odds to be the MVP in the Super Bowl, where you know, that's up and running now, where you used to be able to not put a bet out on anything that required a vote. This is nothing more than in simple math. I, I you know, I don't know. It's I I I've begged. I have I've begged. I've talked to a lot of the guys about it. And you know, and and the crazy thing is now with with as as little as is going on now, I think it would behoove them to do it because I think many more people would get involved, and and the pot would be bigger. And and I think golf sports like golf, we've talked about it, golf, NASCAR, and uh, horse racing on the back end of this nonsense are going to be small winners in that people that never look cross-eyed at these sports got involved. Maybe had a good moment or two, uh, enjoyed it, and we'll now start to pay attention to it moving forward. So if that indeed is the case and you're looking for ways to make money and put more offerings up because there's so few things going on, putting a different index up, a new index up like that would do nothing but create a, a whole nother pool. One last thing real quickly here before we move over to the NASCAR side. First European tour event since early March. The last one, the Cotter Masters. The Austrian Open here this week, Juice Lauten is your favorite, about 7-1 to one over there across the pond. Back-to-back events in Austria, I believe they're going to be played on different courses, though. I could be wrong with that, but um, yeah, it looks like they actually are. But in any event, the European Tour is back here this week, so there's another market for golf fans uh, if they want to dive in and take a look at that one. But uh, let's head on to Kentucky here. Just move one state south and talk about the Quaker State 400. And by the way, again, possibly another wagering angle here this week, the Xfinity Series running back-to-back days Thursday and Friday. Shady Rays 200, then the Alsco 300. So back-to-back days for the Xfinity Series down in Kentucky. So maybe you can find some betting angles from that. But the Cup Series race, the Quaker State 400. Harvick's your plus 350 favorite. Elliott and Hamlin, both 5-1. to one. Kyle Busch was the second favorite, now the fourth choice at plus 750. Truex, about 10-1. to one. Keselowski and Logano, the Penske teammates, 12-1. to one. What are you thinking here about the mile-and-a-half track in Sparta, Kentucky? Yeah, this is a, a bit of an odd one. I, uh, I you know, I, I, I think that the odd story is that Car- Harvick has not fared well here. Hard to leave him out of anything, and... You know, Hamlin's just the, the tough luck that's there. Uh, of all the NASCAR races, uh, this one coming up would be one I'd be more inclined to be do, doing something along matchups and, and group matchups and, and read a little more during the week about setup and and, and just, you know, hear what they've got to say. Uh, this is a, an odd dynamic, but Truex has, has good form here. He is a snake bit. He, Truex has just got all kinds of problems right now, but he's had good success here. Yeah, you look at the guys that have had success here. You start with Kyle Busch, seven top five finishes in nine races. He's led 621 of 2,412 laps he's been out there for, so that's a little better than 25% of the laps he's wound up leading at this track. Keselowski's got three wins, four top fives. Truex, a couple of wins back-to-back in 17 and 18. I actually went to this track, went to this race in 2016 with my dad, and They had just paved the track a few months prior. They had given them a different rules package. Keselowski wound up winning that race, almost ran out of gas in the process. But there were a lot of cautions in that race on the slippery track. 
The next year, there were quite a few cautions. Then in 2018, there were only four cautions for the whole race that Truex won. Then last year, I believe there were seven cautions. So generally speaking, this is a pretty clean race. You get out in front and you probably win this thing. So you kind of want to look for guys that start really well, kind of the stage one winner types of guys. Yeah, you know, I, I, again, I, I I look forward to the race. In the, the Xfinity race actually is the one. If if you that that it, Brickyard race where they were on the road course on Saturday was one of the best races you'll ever see. There was a lot of drama. The Xfinity races have been really good, and you could throw a blanket over three, four guys. And, and I'll throw one at you. There's so little going on, and the news is so nauseating that last night. I actually watched the Formula One race uh, over in Austria, and it was terrific. And they're competing again this week on the same track. So we, we, we saw that with NASCAR. Now we're seeing this in Formula One. Well, Lewis Hamilton is odds-on. He's 5-6. to six. And frankly, I, I think you know he should win. His teammate... Valerie Bodas at five to two won the first event, and they had a ten second lead. And throughout the course of this whole thing, where Hamilton's there pressing him like he's going to pass him, their their uh, pit crew and they, it's it's funny when they you check in onto their mic and they say let's listen in and you can actually hear hear them the NASCAR stuff I can't understand what they're saying, but they were having gearbox issues where they were telling these guys you got to protect the car protect the car. And sure enough, there were three or four cars. Well, one, a tire came off, but three of them just had power outages and gearbox issues. This must be a really tough track. Anyway, Lewis Hamilton, uh, after the, the one restart with the safety car out, this kid, Alexander Alden, who's 25 to 1, he's fourth choice. Fourth choice, and he's 25 to 1. I mean, I think Hamilton, you know, can w- maybe name the score here. But the bet is that there, there's issues with this track, and mechanical issues were a real large part of this. And Lewis Hamilton actually finished second in the race. But with about 15 laps to go, this Alexander Albin kid, he's a kid, was passing Lewis Hamilton for second. And the way he was going, I think he was going to win the race. And as he got just past Lewis Hamilton, Hamilton just tweaked his tire a little bit and spun the kid out. It was like a NASCAR move. Well, about five laps later, uh, the Formula One issues a five-second penalty to Hamilton. So Hamilton actually finished second in the race, but with the five-second penalty, got knocked off the podium. But the point was, had he not done that, I think this Alexander Albin kid had a real chance to run down Botas to win the race. So at 25-1, to I think he's worth a play here if, 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 you know, the mechanical thing is a thing but i mean he he wasn't just out there he he was going for the win and looked like he had a shot to be so i anyway uh i watched it i'm gonna take a little flyer and watch it again this weekend i think hamilton wins by the length of the stretch but if something's wrong with the car i think this album kid at 25 to 1 is a ridiculous number i'm in fact in fact he's 25 to 1 and the guy that actually finished second charles leclerc is 40 to 1 so a guy that finished out of the race, they're telling you something here. He's twenty-five to one, and the and the Ferrari guy that fi- actually finished second is forty to one. I I think that's a re- 
it, it's it's a balloon number. I mean, for the fourth choice in a race to be twenty five to one, um, it's worth a, it's worth a small flyer. Give you something to watch. Yeah, I think so too. I'm actually seeing thirty nine to one out there uh, at five dimes. So you know, Ken, a lot of interesting prices out there for Formula One, and it is a very top heavy racing circuit generally. But Austria is weird, and I wrote a preview about this where. For some reason, Lewis Hamilton just doesn't fare well here. And he's easily the best driver in F1 by far. I mean, it's really not that close. But he can't win here for some reason. So there is something to what you just said about maybe this course is just kind of weird. Maybe it's hell on the car. Something like that. So, yeah, maybe there are some opportunities to take some long-distance shots here. With 35 laps to go in a 71-lap race and and these two cars well clear – they're telling them protect the car, protect the car. Don't hit the bumps. You know, don't cut the corners. Uh, and, and and they basically were telling Hamilton who to, to not pass his teammate. They're, you know, and I don't I don't know what they'd have done at the tail end. At the, well, at the tail end, Hamilton couldn't get by his teammate. But I think they were using him more as a buffer for you know to make sure he won the race. Anyway, it's 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 more that if both of those cars. With 30 laps to go, they were worried they were going to make it. And they both made it. But there were breakdowns all over the place. I'm just saying, this this kid was coming like hell on wheels, and Hamilton spun him out. And, you know, if you didn't watch the race, you wouldn't think anything of it. But, you know, I think this kid was – I think he had a real shot to win the race. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, what do I know about Formula One? I'm just, just saying, I watched it, and I'm you know going to take a little flyer on it. We got a pretty busy week in horse racing here, and this is how we'll wrap up this uh, podcast with Brian. We've got the Indiana Derby coming up here actually tomorrow. So a midweek grade three race. Uh, the favorite is winning impression for Dallas Stewart and Julian Leparu. Major Fed is the second favorite at seven to two. That's Greg Foley and James Graham. Shared sense, the third favorite, Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. Actually, we don't have anybody longer than 20 to 1 in that Indiana Derby 10 horse field at Indiana Grand tomorrow. And then on Saturday, the rescheduled Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland, part of the July meet, which I believe started today or maybe starts tomorrow there at Keeneland. Uh, that could be a very interesting prep race here in advance of the Kentucky Derby and the other Triple Crown race, the Preakness, that we're still waiting on. But Two pretty big races here this week, Brian. The Haskell coming up July 18th at Monmouth Park. Pretty good month of horse racing here on the horizon. Yeah, and I think the thing you're going to watch here, the only thing about horse racing that's been skewed is the juggled triple crown, right? And, and that's a big deal that the I think the Derby is going to be really interesting. I, I think there could be something wacko happen in the Kentucky Derby. That being said, all the tracks are starting to get up to speed. The, the, the marquee stuff that's going to be coming up, we just saw like at Belmont this past weekend, uh, they had four stakes races. One of them was the Met Mile, and that was a win, and you're in the Breeders' Cup uh, mile. So a lot of these big Breeders' Cup win, and you're in races are coming up. And you mentioned the Haskell and the Bluegrass name races. But, again, in a, in a quirky season with, with a, an odd dynamic going on about what's this three-year-old crop all about where Baffert's two horses were dominant and they're both out you know something wacko could happen I know tis the law looks really good today I, you know I don't know what he looks like when they get to Churchill Downs uh, in November but the, the the older horses and these you know turf races and things of that nature 
There's going to be some exceptional races coming up, and watch for those, the Breeders' Cup winning your in-races. I'll put together a preview over at bangthebook.com here today for the Indiana Derby, and later in the week I'll put together something for the Bluegrass as well once we get the post draw and I get my hands on the past performances and all that. But uh, we'll keep covering horse racing for you here uh, at bangthebook.com as well. Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how can people check out those two shows of yours? Oh, by the way, I was just going to say, watch watch at Keeneland. Um, He's making a mental note for myself. If memory serves, the spring meet or when they were racing there, speed was king. I mean, there was a real bias at the track. So, you know, take a look at the first day or two of the races at Keeneland and and watch and and see if it's a fair track. But, boy, a a lot of times... Uh, you know, when you get a new meet opening up, if you're seeing anything that's just, you know, cheap horses, get to the front and keep going, start factoring that in and, and take advantage of the bias. The key is to identify it early on. Well, yeah, good good notes there to be sure. Again, you you always talk about filing those little things away, some horses that maybe had a bad trip that you want to bet on in their next race, stuff like that. All those things, very important uh, to be sure for horse racing. But, uh, you know, we talked a little bit of NHL at the top of the show. You talk NHL every day on Vegas Hockey Hotline. And, uh, you know, you got a lot to talk about with the sportsbook directors on Sportsbook Radio as well. Yeah, it's starting to get there, you know. Uh, so we're, we're there noon to 2, kshp.com. There's a listen live function. Shows are archived at sportsbookradio.com. Uh, it's always great fun. And um, we're there noon to 2 Pacific time. And I put all my stuff out on my Twitter at Brian Blessing. Got a, a golf a podcast I do with Cam Stewart. We do, do do a horse racing podcast heading into the weekend. So check out my uh, Twitter at Brian Blessing. A lot of good stuff there. We try. Are you bringing back the hockey betting podcast too? Never went away. Oh, no, okay. we, we we yeah no we do every every it was uh, I guess we what were we doing? We were doing three days a week during the season. Uh, we're doing one one a week. And uh, so the Hockey Betting Podcast is there, yes. And uh, uh, pretty soon we'll start diving into numbers on, on the series that are coming up. It's been mostly the news wrapped around it. I mean, nothing's changed. I Of uh, the first round or the play-in series, I like Winnipeg over Calgary. I, I think Hellebuck gives them a decided edge. And I'm intrigued by Columbus against uh, the Leafs at a big plus price. I, I think uh, a keep it simple, stupid approach. Uh, could pay dividends for Columbus against Toronto. So we'll start diving into the matchups a little more. Yeah, we'll start doing that a little bit more here on our segments with Brian Blessing. Again, make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Brian, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again real soon. All right, Adam. Have a good week, kid. There you go. There's Brian Blessing, once again, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com, and on Twitter, at Brian Blessing. Coming up on Thursday, new edition of the Betters Box, talking five and fly for the AL West. Five minutes on the five teams there. And some schedule analysis for you as well with the MLB schedule getting released here uh, this past Monday. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again on Thursday.